What's going on, guys? Ian Fernando here from Affiliate Business Conversation. Um, I have a special guests here. I actually met this person while traveling through Southeast Asia um, in Vietnam. Uh, he is an SEO expert, very an off-topic technically that we never really talk about just because we do more of the media buying side, um, affiliate marketing, but Carl has experience in the affiliate space. I've been doing online marketing for a while. Uh, is a superb expert in SEO for anybody that is interested in organic search, which I know I'm not an expert at. And I'll also argue with Carl and every organic person that is like not the best way to do traffic. But again, we all argue about what's, uh, what's better. You know, the grass is always green on the other side. So Carl, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, tell us your business, uh, what you're up to and what you do online. Yeah, so the name's Carl. I'm originally from Estonia. I've been into online marketing for about 12 years now, uh, 12, 13 years. So I got into it around 2008. And I started off with building these like little AdSense sites and, and filling out surveys and mixing, doing whatever possible to, to, to make a buck. I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and then uh, ended up discovering affiliate marketing. And that was like the place where I made my first like legitimate dollars. Uh, and that was promoting uh, kind of paper download offers. And initially, it was a lot of like manual work, uh, promoting on different forums and chat rooms and, and kind of <laughs> nowadays we call it content marketing. Back then, it was just spam, basically. Uh, but it wasn't really scalable. So, so the big question was always like, okay, how do I get more traffic, right? Uh, and being 12 years old and not really having a credit card <laughs> or debit card or even a bank account, uh, and, and kind of being broke uh, and I didn't have like, my mom didn't really have any money. I couldn't really borrow her credit card. Uh, I was I was kind of stuck with uh, free sources of traffic. So while paid advertising was, it was an even bigger thing back then because it was a lot cheaper. That was kind of the obvious route most people took. Uh, I couldn't do it. So that's how I ended up like in the SEO world uh, and then kind of ended up loving it. Just like the idea of SEO was, was the main thing that appealed to me was uh, kind of the idea that people Google to find out the truth. Like whatever comes up on Google, the vast majority of humanity is going to decide, oh, well, well, that's what the number one website said when I Googled this. And that's, that's kind of the truth. So, and I felt this like immense sense of power when I, when I ranked my first website and had like my first number one ranking, I was like, wait, 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 wait. I decide what's number one on Google and what people believe. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's kind of where the, where the SEO thing started and, and, and it always kind of stuck around. So nowadays my main focus is Smash Digital, which is our SEO agency. I work with all kinds of clients there from uh, software companies to e-commerce to affiliate marketers, pretty much everything. Uh, we, then we have Smash VC where we partner with kind of lifestyle businesses. Uh, so it could be some kind of partnership or more often than not investment. So we might buy some chips off the table uh, from the owner and then help grow it with the SEO agency. And then on the side, I still have all my affiliate stuff. So I have a bunch of like Amazon affiliate sites. I have a big digital marketing blog with like 100,000 visitors a month. And so those are kind of the, the side projects, uh, but still something I'm, I'm super, super passionate about. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I could never get, in, get into SEO. It was, I mean, when I first got into affiliate marketing, I definitely was into it, but it was just super, super slow. And then I learned about paid media and I was like, man, I could 
waste $50 and get all this data right away. I guess the realization of data, money, time, uh, for me, uh, I realized that, hey, I'd rather waste 50 bucks, get the data I need, and then try to decide from there. First, I don't know what $50 is over an organic, is that time value, is that time of, um, you know, content over time, is it gonna be your CPAs over time, you know, some stuff that's very unmeasurable. And uh, I really couldn't get into it, but it definitely is necessary. Like even for my blog, I try to do some SEO stuff and I'm like, oh, forget it. I'm just, if Google thinks this content is good, it's going to be good. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not really, really going to bother too much with it. Um, but yeah, man, that's what's up. With SEO now, like, where do you think SEO is going? Because it's so much evolution from where, like there was like link backdooring on, on Google, you know, when Google first came out or Yahoo, they started doing the search engines by alphabetizing it. Now they're trying to figure out what content is good, how content legit is is a 2000 word article better than a 500 word article you know before where like if long as you had like a 350 dollar i mean 350 word article you drank all right you know so what do you think organic is going more towards back to search will it go into social organic or i think it's kind of going now where it's almost unbearable to crawl those type of contents what are your thoughts so it's a weird thing. I'll agree with that, that SEO has changed a lot over, over the last 12 years and it's gotten a lot more complicated. But at the same time, I noticed more and more that it really didn't change that much. <laughs> like it's always kind of been the same where like Google's foundation and, and the reason they were initially the best search engine was because the algorithm is powered by backlinks. How many other websites link to you? And that's a, it's, it's still even with SEO and, and all the information we have nowadays, uh, building backlinks is hard. It's hard work. It's expensive. It, it, oh, yeah. takes, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. So even though you can manipulate it to some extent, Google's gotten better at kind of filtering out the real crappy stuff. Uh, and, and on pages has kind of always been on page SEO. Like the foundations of like good code, having a user-friendly website, like those have always been important. Good content has been important. So one of the one of the bigger shifts over the last couple of years has been this this new focus on content quality. So if we look back five six years, the way I built websites was or maybe seven eight years ago uh, was I'd find a keyword I want to rank for, I'd outsource an article for literally ten bucks that's like five hundred words, I toss it up on the site, and it ranks, and I order batches of like hundreds of articles. And now over time, uh, Google started ranking longer and longer content. And then now they started understanding search intent. So before you could rank an affiliate site for, for a keyword like, I don't know, stand-up desk. Now Google knows, okay, when most people Google stand-up desk, they want a place to actually buy it. So we're going to show e-commerce results. So you rarely see those affiliate sites or at least not as many of them popping up there. So they got better with that side. Uh, and then the same started happening with like word count stuff. So there's no like magical word count number anymore because it depends on the actual search. So if you're Googling for something like what does, uh, I don't know, yield farming mean, mm. you don't necessarily need 5,000 words to, to kind of explain what that is. It might, 600 words may be enough for, for that specific query. If you're talking about a more complex topic, uh, like how the Google Google algorithms work, well, maybe even 5,000 words is not enough, right? So 
But ultimately, the, the thing that I've noticed over the years is, is those foundations always kind of stayed the same. Like even back in the day, no matter how much you manipulate things, in the longer run, like over a couple of years, the sites that have the most links, like the most legitimate, powerful links, uh, and then a decent enough website, like over a certain level, kind of like an 80-20 rule thing, and then good content that actually kind of satisfies the the user's uh, search intent. It's like from Googling to find the best stand-up desk can I actually make a decision based on this article, or are you just showing your products? Yeah, and true. So, so now we're we're seeing them that happen more and more. So literally three four weeks ago, there was the Google like reviews update. So what happened was they they put up a new algorithm for the review like product review space, uh, and that was to cut out thin affiliate content. That was the kind of goal of it, and so. What a lot of like SEOs were doing is like, okay, you're talking about the best stand-up desks. Number, your number one product recommendation will be the best seller off Amazon. And then you're just kind of rewriting their, their product description. You're listing out the specs and blah, 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 blah. But there's no like, there's no value added compared to the actual Amazon page for the user, right? All, all the pros and cons are going to be like, oh, it looks nice. It's a little bit expensive, but like, there, there's really no like actual actual information. Yeah. So that was the theory with with the with the latest update, and now it's been a couple of weeks since it's rolled out. They finalized it, and what you realize with every single Google update that comes and goes is that it's such a broad algorithm. Like the the internet is a huge huge space, and the way websites create content in crypto versus health versus finance versus uh, chairs or desks or whatever is so so different. And the way websites link between them is, is the same. Like if you're selling log houses or kitchen furniture, the, the, the kind of types of links you're going to get are so radically different. So there can't be just one magical algorithm that, that solves everything, right? So, so now if we look at the, the most recent update, I was, I was doing some analysis and one of my sites was hit. And it was, it was a site I built last year there was a reviews focused site and like power tools and whatever. And it lost 90% of its traffic. And today it's still not recovered. 90% just gone overnight. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, and I, I was just planning on like ramping up the site even more and more. And then I started analyzing the content and, and I looked at the top pages that got hit and then I started going through them. I'm like, you're right. Like I, I thought like we're taking this content thing seriously with this site, but this is kind of shit content. Like I can't actually make any conclusions off this. So like, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. And then I compare it to the number one ranking article. I'm like, well, yeah, it's better, but it's not that much better. And then I started looking at like these other, like other industries, just random ones. And I've read like every other SEOs analysis on it where they bring examples. And, and the thing is, things are just, kind of mixed up now it's just all over the place there's been plenty of good high quality content websites that literally order and buy every single product yeah and, and take unique photos and like talk about it and have youtube videos with each product and those got hit and then you have thin affiliate sites outranking those then you have thin affiliate sites that got hit so i feel like we're we're always going to have this or like this this thing in seo where you just 
kind of has to keep doing the right thing over the long term and, and just understand that for the vast majority of businesses, there's just going to be ups and downs. Um, we, we have a few clients like that that are literally probably eight or nine figure businesses with like retail locations and dozens of affiliate sites to promote their own product and spending like insane amounts on link building. And he's the type of guy where like his site got hit, I think it was like 300,000 visitors a month estimated, which probably means it's in the millions in reality. And it lost also like 80, 90% of its traffic. And so any other client in the world would be like, oh yeah, we're, you know, the 10, 10 grand a month where we're paying you for four SEO to, to improve our rankings. Well, they're gone now. So we're not going to pay you anymore. We're going to stop working on this, whatever. And this guy's just like, yeah, just keep going. He's like, yeah. wait, I, mean, I used to get those people that actually understand. Cause I know when I do consultation for PPC or media buying, you know, like, and they give me like a budget of like a thousand dollars a month. I'm like, dude, I can do this, but it's gonna like, you're not gonna see any results for like three months or like a month or two. Yeah, Cause it's, it's not enough spent, but at least he understands that concept. And there's just a lot of people that just don't understand. Hey, okay, there are changes. There's just the online business stuff is a roller coaster. There is gonna be fucking dips. And it's like, okay, I understand the dips. Let Carl uh, realign our content or whatever. Let him do the research and let it go back to where it needs to be. You know, it's, a lot of people don't understand that aspect of a uh, consultation. Uh, so. And and here's the interesting thing with that is that the site wasn't actually bad. Like they, mm. they're really good at what they do. They have a good product. They have great content. We build them the most legitimate links you can probably buy for money. And they got hit nonetheless. And they got hit hard. And the next update, so the most recent update, they actually recovered and we didn't change a single thing. So that kind of shows you uh, what that Google doesn't Google doesn't really care. <laughs> like they don't really know what they're doing yeah. as as much as we'd love to give them credit for. Like, sure. Uh, I th I, th I think the internet is way too big to to kind of perfect it, and it's going to be a long time before yeah. we see any any real, real, real changes. Like unless they take drastic action, like they start taking out. Uh, queries entirely which is something they have been doing a little more so if you look back like two three years ago uh you could you could have a pretty good business with like uh, a lyrics website or something like that well, what happens now when you google any song lyrics like none of these sites get any traffic because google just like puts a little snippet there with the actual lyrics yeah uh or like weather or whatever these kind of simple questions right yeah. So I, th I think there's there's a chance of that happening. So Google might kill all these like best blah 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 affiliate keywords by making making some, their own version of that, where they just kind of pull and syndicate content and just displaying that, which is something they are kind of experimenting with as well. Yeah, I, I feel like Google has been doing that for a while, especially with flights and, and and all that. You know, especially like I know that argument that they have with. Yelp and reviews and, you know, I mean, Google's just trying to syndicate information to one portal, which I kind of agree and also disagree because you do have uh, extensions like Yelp and TripAdvisor, you know, uh, Orbis and all that stuff. But I mean, technically Google is almost like an affiliate in itself, but yeah. But one thing I want to touch base on, you said drastic action and I want to touch base on your recent uh, workout routine, right? And you you taking pretty much a drastic action on well you've been pretty much into health since since I've known you but this one I think was 
kind of a, a big change on your side just because now you're competing. Um, and I wanted to discuss like, hey, how does competition, that discipline and business kind of uh, align itself very together. So let's talk about your competition, what you've been going through for the past, what, five weeks, I think, for your training um, and how that's affecting you as a person kind of work and how it will relate to business. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been 15 weeks, 16 weeks, actually. So, uh, so, so yeah. I've been I've been into bodybuilding since I was since I was a kid, like probably like twelve years old. Uh, between twelve and eighteen, and went from let's say fifty five kilos to like eighty four. And then when I moved to Vietnam, I basically stopped working out. I'd go like maybe two times a week for three months, and then quit again. And partying a lot, and just eating whatever. Like my, at some point, uh, when I had my last agency, I think my diet was like McDonald's four times a day, basically. Yeah, uh, and I, and I, I basically oh, just damn man. It was it was under our office. Okay, it was like our neighbor basically. Oh god. Uh, and I just got skinny again, and then about two and a half, three years ago, I was like, I used to love this thing. I'm gonna get back into it. Uh, so I got back into it, and I'm kind of pushed forward. And then about yeah, like sixteen weeks ago, uh, there's a guy I've been training with. So he's like a competitive bodybuilder and a coach and everything. And we've been training together for like a good year. And he's like, Hey, there's a competition coming up in May. Why don't you, why don't you go for it? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't do that. I don't look anything like, like the other competitors. Like I don't want to embarrass myself. He's like, yeah, dude, you got the size. You just gotta like lean out a little bit, focus for a while and like put your head down. You can, you can get ready. I'm like, I'm like, well, fine because it's, it's like I like the sport and I feel like unless you actually go through a contest prep you've never really done the sport you've just kind of lifted weights that is so true. I feel like you kind of have to go through that process through that journey and that's that kind of suffering to to really understand uh, the sport and it is something like I watch the Olympia every year I follow these like competitors uh, and this whole thing really gave a lot of perspective like even though you can you can see they're like I don't know, stories or YouTube videos about uh, how difficult it is or how much they're suffering until you go through it. It's like, really, it's, it's really not the same. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, that's, it's just like starting your own business online. You're like, you just, everybody sees the success, the success part, doesn't see the struggle, you know? And I can relate to that story in itself because I remember when, when I had a trainer like eight, eight, probably eight years ago and I was training for roughly almost like a, a year. He's like, man, you should compete. Your your back's gonna be big. I think you're you're good. And I'm like, man, uh, I barely can even keep up with the diet that he's given me. And I don't think I was, I was too disciplined at that point. And plus, I'm a very impatient person. Uh, and plus, my business was just climbing up. And I was like, man. Uh, but my trainer at that time, he he competes. He watches the Mr. Olympia. He shares me like these IG stories and you know, YouTube about uh, the Olympia stuff. And it's crazy. It's, it's nuts. It's like you really need a lot of discipline, dedication, you know, I like to work out just because I like to be healthy. You know, I don't want to make it, I don't make my full time, but I don't know. I actually enjoy working out. It's just, I don't know if I can do that. And like, how long are you in the gym for, for example? Uh, so I do 40 minutes to an hour of cardio every morning before eating. So fast and cardio. Yep. And then you, an average gym session is probably an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, and that's uh, three days on, and then one day rest. 
and yeah. then rest days is usually two hours of cardio. Yeah, see, that, that's that's nuts. I think I was doing uh, four two, uh, four days, two days, and then uh, day and then day extra for cardio. So, but I mean, it was it was pretty intense. Like even just getting on dieting, I remember adjusting my diet. Um, and we did an intense leg day and my legs were just shaking. I had to tell my trainer, like, dude, I'm going to go eat. I need some carbs in my body or, or whatnot. It's like, yeah, go eat. We'll, we'll adjust the workout for the week. You know? And I think it's that, um, the dedication perspective, the alignment with the trainer and your partner that adjusts yourself to like, hey, are you dedicated to it? Do you want your goal? These are the results. And once I saw the results, I'm like, man, I'm I'm down for it. Let's, let's, let's keep going harder and harder, you know, add my like little well, eight pack, my chest popped, my had uh, my wings in my back were coming up. You know, I was I was pretty excited, and this is where I realized, and this is pretty dedicated, pretty much similar to how I treat my business, where I want to win, I want to be dedicated, um, but how much dedication does it take? You know, I'm assuming for your competition, you're you're measuring out your grams, you're doing super more intense stuff than a traditional workout person like me would pop, would probably do. Is that correct? Yeah, so uh, I'm kind of like like you were saying about yourself before, where I actually consider myself a super lazy person, and I don't think I have a lot of discipline. I don't think I have a lot of willpower. I can work hard, but it's never like organized. Like I, I can work all day, do 16 hours, but it's very difficult for me to say like, hey, I'm going to work on this proposal template for the next two hours and then actually do that, and then yeah. decide I'm going to do the next thing. It's very like ADHD, chaotic, like move forward but they could be moving forward a lot better if i could just like commit to what i say i'm gonna do or do what i should be doing like doing the hard things you know so if the most important next step is like finding a new i don't know ad manager for your agency but you hate the hiring process like yeah you can push it off for three four weeks whatever it's but if you did that, you'd probably like over a year, those, those kind of uh, additional returns you get from that month by having a, a full-time person for a month, a little bit earlier, like all these things compound over time. And what I learned was uh, a long time ago was that willpower is trainable. It was like, anytime you really, really wanted to do something, you, you kind of just make it happen. It was like, if you have a deadline for like, I don't know, in school, you had a deadline for homework. Oh, you got to send it off by midnight. Then it's 10.30 and normally you think it would take you six hours and then you kind of just get it done anyway. Or you need to prepare for a call. You have an hour. It's going to take an hour. Like, what is that called? Like, uh, Pareto's principle. Like cramming or something. I forget what it's called. Uh, like people. But yeah, basically. What work, yeah. Work allocates to the time it's given. And then yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's the thing. And then the other thing is that discipline is trainable just by doing these things that kind of make you uncomfortable, right? Uh, and I always had that, like, I can eat healthy and, and like, I'd, I'd still weigh my food, like, even when I wasn't competing, not all of it. But then when it came time, it, it, like, Friday night came and you're like, hey, you want to go for some drinks? I'm like, hell yeah. And then I'll have, like, 13 and, like, undo that work. And the next day I'll be like, yeah, I've been trading all week. Like I can, I can like skip this one day, whatever. Uh, and this entire idea of like contest prep for, for anyone who doesn't know, it's you literally have to get from like, say if you're normally like 12 to 15% body fat, if you're, if you're kind of healthy and fit, 
you got to get down to like 5%, which is like, there's basically no fat left on your body. And then to get to that point, uh, you don't really get to eat a lot of food. And I don't know if you've well, ever I mean, been the goal angry, is to but... really just show off your muscle, muscle threads, technically, you know, so and the formation right, uh, on your body, like the shape and making sure every muscle is popping. I think that's what the judges are looking for, correct? I'm not even sure what exactly. And and if you don't have any body fat, you'll you'll see those like kind of details a lot better. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very uncomfortable process getting ready for that, and it's it's very taxing in a lot of ways, and it's easy to do, kind of undo a whole week's worth of work in a day, because like if I'm in a deficit of 500 calories a day over a week, that's 3,500 calories. Well, on a Friday night, I have zero problems going 5,000 calories over, uh, like on top of my normal calories. Like I could do that in a heartbeat. I could probably do that in the next two hours if I wanted to. Uh, and, it, and it wouldn't be like a very difficult thing. So, <laughs> and when you get to that point where you're constantly starving for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, you know, you've, if you've ever had like crashed like blood sugar or something, you know, you get a little bit dizzy-ish. You feel like you need to eat the world. Like I felt like that for like weeks at times. Uh, and you just feel like if I don't have food right now, I'm going to die. But you know, you're probably not going to die. I know that because, feeling for sure when I was training. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm not diabetic. I can't actually have low blood sugar right now. So this is in my head. I need to conquer this. I need to get over this like feeling and just kind of met up and, and get it done. Right. But yeah. the thing is, because it's it's 15 weeks of the suffering, and it's exactly five meals a day, I weigh out everything by the gram, do my cardio every morning, I train every day, I know what I'm training, when I'm training, like everything is planned out. And there's not a single step you can really you can really skip uh, if you actually want to get ready in, in, in like 15 weeks. Uh, so every day is like pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And I feel like it's been an amazing journey of just developing more discipline and willpower. And, oh yeah. I mean, it's definitely like obviously a, that, car that carries over to, yeah, I mean, it carries over to, to work as well. Yeah. So the more and more I kind of did this, like things at work started getting a little easier. I started answering emails a little quicker that I didn't want to deal with initially. So I kind of stopped putting things off. And then uh, at some point I picked up reading again. And it was easier to read. I was just like more focused. Went through a book. I started implementing things in that book. And then everything just started compounding and adding up in different ways. So like, and the other side of it is the routine, right? Because every day you're doing the same thing. Well, it's the same thing with, with business, I think. Like th there's a reason we have the nine to five model. It's because of routine you just have is making sure people show up all the time and consistently do something so i feel like the bodybuilding routine of like okay every day i've got my five meals i got my training or my cardio I'm doing it this time in the morning i've got this plan i'm gonna eat every two three hours uh just adhering to that routine makes it adhering to any other routine that much easier as well so because i know i need to get five meals in Every day, every two, three hours, I need to apply my day accordingly. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my emails at this time. I'm going to work on this project at this time. I need to get up at this time. That means I probably need to get to bed by this time. And all of these little things just become a lot easier and just kind of fall into place. 
Oh yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, a lot of people that really don't understand that once you have a routine for something, that technically carries over to whatever you, you want to do next, whether it's going to be work, whether it's maybe, let's say, you're cooking dinner, raising kids, family, or whatever, you know? Like, I think uh, on one of your posts on Facebook, uh, you have, like, saying, having a, uh, having a plan, you know, and being prepared for that plan and creating the habits, which I think is, is super, super important, which goes back into the routine. A lot of people think that uh, they can just break routine, but once you break routine, you're, you're technically breaking your cycle mentally right and that then over carries over into like let's say your weightlifting competition you can be like you know what i slacked over here a little bit let me just not be in the gym for another hour i've already been in the gym for 45 minutes i think that's good enough right where technically like you were saying you're you're in a gym for like two hours right you have to hit that two hour mark i think it's that brain mentality that needs to carry over from either something that you're passionate about because i think most of the routine comes from passion um, or where you're motivated um, enough to just do it. And be like, damn, I saw the results. These are looking good. I'm going to continue to continue doing this. Or even like when I know I'm not as big as you, but I enjoy working out. I don't need to see the results. I just do it because I want to be healthy. I mean, so I set a routine to be healthy from when I wake up to the gym, to my food. And that technically kind of carries over to, to business. You know? Like you really have a good series here saying one, set goals, two, have a plan, three, be prepared, create habits, and accountability. Accountability is kind of the only hard part or argumentative part because how can you be accountable for yourself sometimes? Like sometimes I need, me personally, like I need somebody like, yo, Ian, did you set that campaign up? Or why are we down uh, 20%? You know, who's pushing you to be accountable for yourself? Because I know when I trained, it was my trainer. I would tell my trainer, hey, I went drinking last night. I had, I had X amount of beers. He would adjust my, uh, my workout for the week, right? And that's kind of the, the accountability that I need. I need another person to help me to be accountable for, for myself. For an entrepreneur or a person doing traffic or anything online, like I work by myself. Like it's, sometimes it's hard to be accountable for yourself. Like what's Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't have that. Yeah, exactly. You know? But, but we, that's the thing. We know we need that. You, you've heard this in a million different freaking seminars, webinars, books, whatever. And I feel like there's like, all of us know these things. If, you, if you've been in the industry for a while, you know like, okay, doing things consistently is important. Prioritizing your to-do list is important. Like all these things. But I feel like we always need this like constant reminder because you can't do everything perfectly. And accountability is like one of those things as well. Like we've all heard it before. And people are like, oh, make a bet with your friend. If you have a goal, set a specific deadline, this and this and that. But then I feel like this prep was like a nice little reminder again because I had these weekly check-ins with my coach. On, on Friday mornings, I take uh, 12 different photos from different angles and the same positions and, and poses and everything and send in my weight. And every week I was like, from like Tuesday, I was like, oh crap, I got like Friday's coming up. I better like stick to make sure everything's perfect. I don't want to look shit on those photos or like look worse than last week and so on. And I found myself like knowing that, that there's that accountability in place of like, did I lose weight? Do I look better? Like all these different things. It made adhering to it so much easier. And I give that like the results I've gotten uh, throughout this prep. And I'm down like seven, eight kilos and I'm probably built some muscle throughout that time as well. And I give a huge part of that, that kind of, credit to being able to do this to the accountability and 
like my own reflection after this. Well, well, now it's not after because I still have five weeks to go. Thanks to thanks to COVID, the the show's been delayed. Uh, but I feel like I'm kind of beyond that, and I'm there. I'm like on the edge of ready, and I feel like the next most exciting thing for me after this competition is done. Obviously, I'm going to ease out on training and focus on work and business and stuff. And I want to get more accountability in place for my business now. So am I giving enough kind of attention to each of the projects, different parts of those projects? And, and how do I, figuring out how I build a system around that to make sure everything's moving forward consistently and in and, and kind of a measurable way? Uh, because consistent action is the main kind of, determination of success right because you need to do something for a really long time for it to have any effect it's like i can't just if if my i don't know i don't have any any muscles on my back and i've never trained back in my life i can't just go to the gym for 10 hours a day for three months and suddenly have great back it just doesn't work like that like yeah. it's something i should have been doing for the last like three four years like two times a week like there's a limit and it's the same with business. Like, like things just take time. And if you haven't like every, for, for the traffic buyers out there, like every minute you don't have your ads up, the new ads up, the new creatives, the new tests running, you're losing data that could be used to make decisions. And those decisions are costing you money because there might be a winner there. There might be an ad that has double the conversion rate. There might be an ad that's cheaper and like, Every minute you put, like, it's not a big deal. I, I can test these ads, like, next week or in two weeks and three weeks because the old ones are profitable. Well, okay, now you lost, like, $30,000 in profit. Well, what could you, like, that's, that's not the only impact even, right? Yeah. Because how much more could you grow that business if you had that $30,000 in profit now? Like, two months later, maybe you could have hired, like, three more people and you never have to worry about, like, getting these ad tests done in time anymore because you've got people to take care of that. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think it's just more of a, how does one person create these systems process? I'm all about these systems and process because at least with system processes, you have KPIs, you can be somewhat accountable for yourself. Right. Just the reason why, like I enjoy working with partners doing a lot of little JV. Well, nowadays, right. Just because now I'm getting older and I just, I get kind of lazy and I need somebody to send me a message like yo what's up you know and i think it's super, super important to have these systems processes kpis because if you, if you don't you're technically just bouncing around like a person in the gym would be like okay let me just work on biceps let me just work on chest oh you know what let me work on calves versus maybe let me do chest on monday tuesday legs right etc right at least that's a plan there's a process um and then there's a, a measure uh, measurability there's your kpi at the end of the week or every two weeks or whatnot and then if you're stagnant, you rotate. Same thing with business, I, I believe, you know? And this is why I think it's super, super important to do um, a process, a system in place to be somewhat accountable. And I think that's how a person should be accountable, especially for entrepreneurs that are doing it by themselves, because if they just want to bounce around, you're, you're only focusing 10% on, on your business, not 100% or maybe even 80%, right? Which I think you really need to, to do. Instead of a person that's bouncing around the gym trying to figure out what to do, that person should catch up on their information, watch a bunch of YouTube, understand what the process is gonna be, what's it's gonna take. Is there gonna be a point of failure? 
you know, a person that works out for the first time, point of failure is when you get sore, you know what I mean? And that's where they, they die out and they decide they want to quit because they're, they're, they're in pain. When people lose money, they're in pain, right? They decide they want, they want to quit. But I think just pushing forward is, is the most important part. You know what I mean? So. I think with systems and processes, it's and the kind of accountability side, I've got a few examples I want to bring up in terms of to make sure these systems don't work against you or like that you've actually thought them through and, and the various consequences of that. So one example would be uh, my, my, my best friend who he does all these crazy challenges. Like he went from not running to running 110 kilometers in the span of like 15 months. He did like an ultra marathon, but only ran for like over 24 hours straight. Uh, he also walked a hundred kilometers like many, many years before, just like with no music, no headphones and nothing, just like straight walking, just like ultimate torture, right? He, he ran a marathon on a treadmill facing a wall, which uh, like, the, you know, the Neon Cat song, like with that on repeat for like a good like four hours. So <laughs> things like that, he's like, he's my guru when it comes to discipline and willpower and challenges. And he was telling me how he, so he, he's got a sweet tooth and he wanted to give up candy so he made uh, a bet with his son who was like six seven years old really smart kid and he's like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna quit candy for like six months or 12 months or whatever for every piece of candy i have i'm gonna give you five euros and then like okay cool accountability and he'd done this for with like alcohol with his like his like little sister or something who's who's like in her 30s uh and it worked out fine because i mean that's pretty good i mean you have your little kid your son trying to want you to eat candies probably taunting you or exactly supporting you like hey so so that so while the sister was supportive and like they were like fighting through it together the next day the son comes over with an ice cream was like uh, dad, this is so delicious. You want some? <laughs> <laughs> just like, he's like, and he's like, oh crap, definitely set the incentives wrong this way. And the same thing happens in business. Like we had a, in, in my previous agency, we actually have this in, in the current company as well. But in my previous agency, I, I made everyone on the team do weekly reports. And we had a call on like Monday morning, everyone would walk through what they did the previous week and what they're planning for this week. And then what started happening was, you kind of everyone goes through their reports and then people start seeing like oh this person's doing this much and then they start adjusting how much work they're doing mm-hmm. uh and then you kind of establish the baseline of like how much work is supposed to be done and then it doesn't or like how many items you have on your on your like uh report list it's like okay i've got five things to talk about that's good enough and then what started happening was i noticed people would like get all these things done monday to wednesday and then they probably decided like, oh, I got enough things to put in my report for next week. I'm just going to work on my own shit now. So now they're, they're taking two days off because of a system I, I built poorly. Right? Yeah. Uh, or we have the same thing with like link building. So like if we have link builders on our team, their goal is to get uh, other websites to link to our client's website or, or, or our own website. And the first like thought anyone would have is like, okay, I'm going to give you an extra incentive. Uh, and they're supposed to be getting these links for free, right? Like emailing people occasionally, they'll pay like some small fee, like an editorial fee. Uh, and obviously we want high quality links, 
the first kind of idea everyone has when they want to gamify this and, and kind of incentivize the staff is like, okay, we're going to pay you an extra 50 bucks for every link you actually land on top of your salary. But what happens then? They're just yeah. going to be, they're not going to have any incentive to negotiate down the prices and the quotes they get because they just want to land the link as soon as possible. They're going to go for the easiest uh, sites, the, the ones that don't require effort or maybe require you to pay. They're not going to go through the negotiations because like every minute they're wasting, they're not getting a link up in no matter the quality, they're losing money. Yeah. I mean, that's intense. I mean, it's just, I think, cause we did that in our office when we had it in Jersey and we kind of, it kind of created this um, gamified competition among our media buyers, our developers, especially when we had several projects. And I think it's super important to create that, friendly comp competitive vibe right and then if we think somebody did good we would reward them with like headphones or whatever you know in the office and people would see that but also it created some sort of weird culture in the office like oh you think you're better than me type thing and, and we had to re we had to step back readjust and like oh we don't want to spoil this one person that's been over that we think is overworking but he just wants to do it because he just wants more items whereas people would like am hey, happy with just one prize every month you know what i mean i think just human mentality and what people think about competition like losers and winners you know and and all that but we're catching up on our mark here uh let's just wrap it up real quick carl great conversation on comparison to your business especially organic i mean i'm obviously not an organic person here um as you know but the business side versus preparation for your competition there's obviously such a great uh reality in comparison to how both works. I think through life, it's all about, you know, being prepared, doing something you like, having a plan, following up through that plan, failing through that plan, readjusting and doing it better. You know, as long as you're dedicated, either if it's bodybuilding, finding a girlfriend or in business, I think it's super, super important. So last question, let's hit it up with, if somebody wants to be dedicated to online marketing, whether it be organic, what's the best way for them to start? Best way for them to start. Honestly, you just got to build things and, and kind of try and learn on the go. Like no matter how many courses you're going to take or blog posts you're going to read, like the most important things you're going to learn are actually by setting up a website, trying to design it, writing some content, writing some copy, running some ads on your own, just kind of going through it, making the mistakes. Uh, so yeah, just get started as soon as possible. Uh, pay attention to what people teach you. So if they're telling you you're going to need a five grand budget minimum to start playing with paid ads, you better have that ready. Don't think, oh, I'm, I'm going to take you it gotta, easier. You got you to be willing to lose that five grand too. So exactly. Yeah. So, so when you hear things like that, like obviously pay attention to those things because they, they are important. Like, uh, you, you can't get around that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I think the best thing to do is basically fail. You know what I mean? It's just like we, well, we mentioned earlier when you work out for the first time, you're going to be super sore and that soreness is going to make you either want to be pushed, pushed more or it's going to just push you out of the competition. And I think that's it's, it's the best way to actually learn. Do you enjoy that, that pressure or do you not, right? 
and if you don't, then this maybe online marketing, bodybuilding, or whatever is not for you. You know, people need to move on just because you think you want to look good. It's like people buying ebooks or books and not reading them, like people buying gym memberships and not going to the gym because they feel good about buying a membership and, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, but I, I think one, one more thing on that, like if you're getting started, it's really common and kind of, I don't know if it's an online business thing or like entrepreneurship thing in general, but there's this whole thing about following your passion and doing, you have to be interested in it and blah, blah, blah. I think that's absolute bullshit. Like so I mean, I'm passionate about making money. I'm passionate about business and the game of business. But if you're going like, if we look at like search engine optimization and, and like the organic side of things or even paid, it's like, okay, what am I passionate about? Uh, cool bodybuilding. I have zero chance as a beginner to do anything in the bodybuilding space with organic traffic. Just you're never going to compete against like bodybuilding.com and all these like huge sites. You you literally do not stand a chance. Yeah. Or let's say, what else are you passionate about? Travel. Cool. Well, good luck starting yet another travel book. Like if you're getting started, you need to understand how. What are the kind of success factors? So like in organic, it's the level of competition and the organic results with paid ads is going to be another thing. You need to understand what that is and where you have the lowest barrier to entry because the sooner you get to the point of making your first dollars or, or becoming profitable and you realize like, hey, this is a real thing and this can actually change my life, like you need to get to that point. And after that, it all becomes really, really kind of easy because you know, you're, you're, you're building your future and it's like, all these people you've heard on the podcast and whatever, they're not just like blowing smoke up your ass. It's a real thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think passion, if you want to start online, people say passion. I think it's kind of BS just because like I got into it by mistake. I got into this online space by mistake, right? It's because I, I was fucking dirt broke poor. My parents kicked me out, out, of, my, out of their house. I'm like, damn, I need to fucking work. I was working three jobs. And little by little, obviously investing money into internet and, and business, reading, it's super, super important to just like go with the flow and what you want to do. Maybe later you can do a passion project, right? But I think you shouldn't start with passion. I think you need to start to earn money first versus going into your passion. You know, I mean, it might be easier to go into your passion, but you might not make money. So is the goal to make money or just have a passion project? So I think that's the argument a person should have for themselves. Like for me, I had to just make money and eventually just turn into a passion versus me playing basketball or me going to gym more or me cooking become more or traveling become more of a passion project for me, you know? Yeah, it's the same in like the career and kind of traditional world, right? It's like everyone starts with the basic premise of building their skill set, going through that process, doing some grunt work, and then kind of graduating to a job they might actually enjoy, enjoy which most people never get to. But it's the same thing. It's like, yeah. like you're there, you're going to put in the work, and you just kind of have to do it and, and take your little minimum salary. And then once you kind of make it and, and you have something to show for the time you put in, then that's the point where you can stop fetching people coffee and, and do, do what you really want to do. 
yeah yeah exactly exactly well man appreciate it for you to be on the show man again uh carl from smash digital uh this is ian from the philippe business club and again guys make sure to like subscribe uh share it with your friends this was a great conversation with a person that i met through my travels that's in the space uh doing organic search and also doing something that he actually enjoys which is obviously bodybuilding so make sure to like subscribe and again guys, thanks for listening in